What's happening, everybody? How are you? My name is Mike. Welcome to the ER Nurse Uncensored, the very first episode. Really excited. Uh, I I hope I'm attracting ER nurses and people in medicine and doctors and whoever the fuck. But I also hope I got a lot of just the general public, <laughs> because this is this is the kind of shit you're gonna need to hear about. I am I'm really excited and fired up to bring you. We'll call it inside information. I'm going to sneak you a bunch of shit that you didn't know, should know, and will enlighten you and maybe change the trajectory of your life. I don't know. I don't be too dramatic, but there's a lot to get to over the next God knows how many episodes we can do with this show. I'm really excited. Uh, And for those who have no idea who the fuck I am, you probably don't. I've been an ER nurse for five years, but I've been in emergency medicine in some capacity for 20, used to be a firefighter, used to be a paramedic on the road. I'll share a million stories and and kind of tell you things along the way about how my career has gone. But more importantly, I want to talk to you about what's going on in, in this country's medical industry, the hospital industry, what's going on in the emergency rooms, the doctors, the other nurses, the patients. You're going to hear every little detail, every little scrap I can put together that I think would be entertaining or noteworthy or hilarious or fucking disgusting. I don't know. I'm going to bring it to you and I think it's going to be important. So thank you for being here and and please subscribe and, and keep the train rolling. I hope to do this for a little while. To start with today, I'm going to try to keep it somewhat simple but realistic about what's going on currently in the ERs, mostly that has to do with, with COVID and staffing. Uh, let's start with COVID. People are freaking the fuck out over COVID, and we cannot believe we're in our fourth year of this bullshit, and they're trying to release new guidelines and new vaccines, and it's ridiculous. It's totally, totally, utterly ridiculous. I will probably hit on COVID for a couple of months here until hopefully it goes away fully. But we asked, we still have people coming to the emergency room with the sniffles, with a cough, who are grown-ass adults who can very, seems to be, to the naked eye would seem, to have the ability to care for themselves in the most basic capacity, but have lost any knowledge to do that because as soon as they feel any iota of illness, they come running to the ER and they want a COVID test. I cannot believe... There are people who still come out and do that. It drives me fucking crazy that you're taking up resources and your time. Shouldn't you be at fucking work or something? But they come and they want a COVID test. They want a flu test. It doesn't change anything. Nothing changes. Positive, negative, just still, still do the same thing you would normally do if you were sick. So the COVID narrative is still going on, unfortunately, and a lot of really dumb people are falling for it and coming to the ERs and 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 trying to put a name to what's going on with them. Sometimes we don't have one. You're just fucking sick. You just got to deal with it. And they get frustrated by that. That's going to be a whole nother episode down the road talking about patient satisfaction and, and, and getting good answers for people. It's, it's, it's going to be a headache for me for quite some time. But from a realistic standpoint, if you come to the emergency room, you better be very ill when it comes to you know, cough, congestion, flu-like symptoms to be taken seriously in any capacity. But you have to have a fever for multiple days, 
um, you know, dehydration, unable to eat or drink. I mean, you, this has to be going on for multiple days and you not be a normally, you know, immune compromised kind of person to be coming to the emergency room. Otherwise, you're going to get swabs and you're going to get sent home. We're going to swab you and then be like, yes or no, and then get the fuck out. 99% of the time, it's going to be a waste of time. So stop doing it. Okay. More importantly, I want to hit on what's going on with staffing. And to the lay person, staffing is just, you know, how many nurses do we have on a daily basis at a hospital? Now, I work at a, many different hospitals because I'm what's called a float nurse uh, through ERs. So I work from the smallest of small, you know, 10 rooms, just a small emergency room with no hospital attached to it. And I can work at a level one trauma center, you know, with 100 rooms. So I, I see the whole spectrum all the time. And what it was was during during COVID, during the pandemic, which is would be my second or second or so year of being a nurse, that they had federal money. They had enough enough surplus of, of cash, most likely government money, that they were able to fully staff and then and then some, maybe add twenty percent of staffing. And they were giving out money like it was fucking candy. I mean $750 bonuses, $1,000 bonuses on top of your normal pay just to come in for 8 to 10 hours, and it was happening. So we got used to the fact that we were making the money that we probably deserved to be, made, to be making in the first place. But at this point, we're just trying to pick up shifts, grab the money while we can because we know it's not going to last forever. It did last for a couple years, which was great. But now the belts have officially tightened, and they've been slowly tightening over the past... I'm going to say six months to a year, but really over the past six months. The staffing I really want to call attention to is the one particular company I work for that is um, a nationwide company. They have hundreds of hospitals uh, around the country, and they have a new model. And what the model is is they have a main hospital. So let's just call that the, the hub or the main so the main hospital is, you know, uh, ER, and then they have beds, and then they have surgery, and they have an OB division, or they have a pediatrics, or whatever it is. That's a main, you know, what you would see as a typical hospital. Now, those hospitals have what we call satellite standalone ERs. So they're attached to that hospital, and they may be a 10 to 15 to 20 bed emergency room, but it's just a standalone emergency room. A lot of people get confused by that. They think it's an urgent care. They think it's a walk-in clinic. It's not. It's actually fully functioning ER. Well, sort of, <laughs> which we'll get to in a second. But that feeds to the main hospital. So if someone comes in, they need to be admitted to the hospital, we feed them to the main hospital. That's the whole the whole reason it's there is, hey, come on in. Um, we think you need to be admitted for pneumonia or a broken leg or whatever it is. Now we're going to transport you by ambulance to our main hospitals, and they're going to take you from there. So that's what the main function is. So these 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 satellite hospitals used to be the following staffing. I'm going to be generalized because I know it's different around the entire country. I know everyone's different, but typically it's let's just say it's 12 beds. That's a that's a nice round number. Typically the ratio the ratio in Florida where I am the ratio in Florida is four patients. ER patients to one nurse. That is the quote-unquote limit that you're supposed to be hitting. Now, people cheat on this all the time. That's what they call operational need, which is a fancy way of saying, fuck you, take more patients. 
but it's supposed to be four to one. You're supposed to have enough nurses to cover the four to one ratio, or you can't open the beds officially. So let's just say it's a 12 bed facility. You have up to three nurses um, there. Now in this particular hospital, we I am typically a charge nurse. So I'm like the nurse, quote unquote, in charge. Now it is not the obligation of the charge nurse to take patients because you're supposed to be doing charge things, but the particular place I work at is not too busy with the charge nurse things, so I can take patients no problem. So in the morning, we have two nurses. It's me plus one, so that means we can have a total of eight patients at one time. That does not happen sometimes. We have more than eight. We have 10, and we have to stretch a little bit. At 11 o'clock in the morning, I get another nurse, so now we have three to cover the 12. Plus we have a manager who comes in who, who can in the emergency grab some patients, and that does happen. Okay. Besides the nursing part, typically these type facilities also have a lab. So we draw blood work, we bring our blood work to the back, and then that person runs the blood work and then, and then feeds it into the computer system, and then we're able to read it on our end when we're out back with the patients, and, and then they can communicate with us when there's irregular results or abnormal results and help process ones that need to be sent out and that kind of thing. That's the, And they can also take care of the machines, uh, do quality control checks, that kind of thing. That can get to be a busy thing itself. Plus, we normally have a security guard. Um, it is, I don't know the exact laws. This is going to be something I'm going to have to look up down the road. But, but there is a security guard there. I know most hospitals have a police officer or armed security, especially with the way the culture is now. People just walk in and fucking start killing people. Plus, in the emergency rooms, you do get a lot of violence. People who are involved with, you know, you know, shooting, stabbings, gang violence. Who the fuck knows? It does happen. We have a security guard. We typically have a radiology person, someone who does CT scans, X-rays, and that kind of thing. Um, in addition, we have a, pro- a provider, which is providers also known as a doctor for to us. We have a doctor. We don't have a second one, so we have just one doctor for the entire place. So yes, we also get we also get uh, ambulances that come in. So we do have emer- other emergencies that come in. So one doctor responsible for the whole building, which can be very hectic sometimes. We also have a um, environmental person who is there doing the trash and and helping change over the beds and cleaning the beds when patients leave and and throwing out things and helping out with all that. There's a whole process that they go around the whole building and clean the bathrooms and do all that. That's we're very fortunate for that. So. That's how we've been running forever. This particular hospital company has decided that these facilities, if they do not meet a certain number of patients per day, they are now removing the lab technician. So that lab technician is now coming out of the room and being sent to somewhere else, but they're not going to be part of the standalone emergency room. So when you come to the emergency room, to the one I'm speaking of particularly, not only does the nurse have to greet you and bring you into the room, now they have to draw your blood and then also run your blood. Like now we're doing our own labs. So we have now 13 machines that are in the back room that we didn't normally have to know that we're now quote unquote checked off on and we run labs. In addition, now we're responsible, mostly my manager, to run all the quality control checks and all the things that the lab technician would normally do, who by the way is certified to do these things. 
So God forbid something happened to these labs or there's something incorrect that we don't know about the machines, very difficult for us to troubleshoot. Okay, that being said, now we are having to, to remove this lab person. Now we have to commit ourselves to go do those labs. Sometimes those labs take 10 minutes, 15 minutes, which we also have to be responsible for taking patients who are coming in. So you can see where I'm going. The hospital system I'm talking about has to is trying to squeeze whatever they can out of the people who are in the building. And it's going to continue to happen because they work on profits. And you're going to hear me say this a lot of times during this show, which is profits over patients. I know you don't want to hear that as the person who's going to the emergency room, but there are, I know, let it be known, God forbid. I know it may make you dizzy just from the thought, but these hospitals are greedy and they are seeking money and trying to save money, especially on the front end. If we don't have to pay for staff to be there that we, we deem unnecessary, like a lab person, now we can save that money and then make the people who are still there do more work and, in addition, not pay them any more money. Which, by the way, this particular hospital system is one of the lowest paid systems uh, in the area. So, not going great for them. It's like strike two, three, and four, and five. So, we're doing the labs now in the ER, and we're having to track these labs. We have no way of knowing if a lab is a critical lab or not until we go into these different um, computer systems that we have. It's kind of a mess. Now, typically, we do not that many patients in a day, so we have the ability to do teamwork and, 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 and we, can, we can get by. That's the problem. <laughs> we can get, continue to get by. Uh, something I did forget to mention is that a lot of these hospitals also have a registration person. So when you come in the ER, they, they come in, they speak to you, they get your identification, your insurance card, do all that. We don't have that in these particular hospital systems. We have a, a rolly cart, which has uh, a iPad attached to it that looks very dystopian, but you, you wheel this cart in and you scan their little, their little sticker and that sticker then pulls up a, a, a virtual person who comes on and then speaks to the patient and then gets them registered. So no one's even on, it's on site, very impersonal. So we have to also mitigate that situation. This is not impossible for us to do. We are able to get by, but like I said, the fact that we are still able to get by is now proving that they can continue to squeeze and squeeze and squeeze. It used to be that we had a real person who was there who was able to go in the room, but they wanted to take that away because I saw it as an unnecessary cost. The straw that's going to break the, the camel's back, and I would say it's coming eventually, but I can tell you it already has come to this particular hospital system. They have now removed the security guard. I mean, gone. So now this is an emergency facility that takes ambulances, that takes whatever that comes in. We cannot stop anything that comes in. As now has, including by the way, including psychiatric patients, Baker Acts, B-52s, whatever you want to call them, psychiatric emergencies. This is part of our deal. We have to take those in. No security guard. Not there. Can't call anybody. We're on our own. 
So if you come in at 8 o'clock in the morning with a psychiatric emergency, it's going to be me, one other nurse, and a doctor. That's it. Now, if there's five other patients in there and we have a combative behavioral patient, they've told us, oh, well, just call the, just call the police department, call the sheriff's office. How long do you think that will last until the sheriff's office, the police department's like, what the fuck are you guys doing over there? You guys can't keep abusing us like this every time you have a psychiatric patient here. And it's going to happen. It's already happening. But the theme remains the same. Cut, 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 and keep laying more responsibility on the staff, more liability to the staff. We have, we have our own licenses to worry about. And continue to make sure that they do more work and have more on their plate, but the best part is we don't have to pay them any more money. We don't owe them anything. And this is this is a gigantic problem, and it's been a slow burn. They know to do it a slow burn. They know, don't do it all at once. Do one this year, and then one six months later, and then do one six months later, and keep slowly pulling it away. It's like the frog in the pot. Just keep slowly turning up the heat. They won't even notice but now it's getting to the point now where people are getting super burnt the fuck out. In addition to the fact that these providers are, are, are getting burnout, we're getting burnout, the patients are getting frustrated. It's a, it's a powder keg. Everyone is fucking frustrated. And it's coming out. People are, are lashing out. We have very nasty patients who, who tell us to go fuck ourselves and what's taking so fucking long and you guys suck and go on Google and talk shit and have no appreciation for the fact that we're just trying to hold on and survive just like they are. None. So the industry itself is starting to turn. This is not just common within this one particular hospital group. This is, this is going on nationwide. There's a lot of reasons for it that we're going to touch on as this podcast and series goes on. One of them is going to be the fact that it's the death and, and slow death of primary care. That's going to be an entire show on its own. We are losing the ability for doctors to take care of their own patients. They're too overwhelmed and they're too burnt out. And there's too few of them to go around. Big problem. Two, the mental health crisis in this country is getting completely out of fucking control. There's way too many people who have lost their fucking minds. Anyone who was on the brink or teetering or had, they were on the fence or whatever it was, COVID put them over the top, a lot of them. They're done, they're roasted, and they're starting to skip off the atmosphere. We're not going to hear from a lot of these people ever again. I'm telling you, the, the downward spiral is, is, is fully engaged, and it's become frustrating for a lot of people, including practitioners. We're getting tired, we're getting frustrated. And we're getting, we're getting angry. We're feeding off of your anger. You're feeding off of our anger. It's not a healthy environment. Very, very toxic. And you can feel it with veteran people. We're starting to lose nurses who are like, I don't want to do this shit anymore. Why am I coming to work? And that is not the kind of attitude you want people to have who are there. And I have talked to hundreds and hundreds of practitioners who tell me six months ago, I was doing okay, everything was great, but these people are fucking animals. And you're like, I know. And even like the nicest, sweetest, most delicate nurses who I knew two years ago who were, you know, just coming on or were, were, were really sympathetic during COVID and 
They feel like they're making a difference. Now they're like, fuck this place. I want to get out. I don't want to do this shit anymore. I'll go on fucking OnlyFans. Literally, I know people who say, like, I'm going on OnlyFans. Fuck this shit. So who, who's going to backfill? Who's going to backfill this frustration? I don't know. But I can speak for a lot of people, I think, when they can say that the industry is in full reversal. It is in a, it is in a seismic shift. And it's moving away from sympathetic, you know, really empathetic, educated, experienced practitioners. You're starting to lose grasp of them. And I don't want to assign blame to like, oh, these patients, because some of the patients are wonderful and they're nice and their families are great. A lot of them aren't. <laughs> I'm going to place most of the blame at this point on how the hospitals themselves, the corporate conglomerates that they are, on how they're handling their people. Now, there's always opportunities for us to be able to do better. I get that. But we're fucking trying. But the people up on high who are above those who are up on high are, are driving us crazy with their policies and their, I guess the biggest thing is their constant negativity. There's always something wrong. Why is there always something wrong? Tell me anything good. Give me anything good. And there's usually not a lot of that. I sit in these meetings, excuse me, and I sit in these, these huddles that happen every morning, and it's just like, we're not doing this, we're not doing this, and they're coming down on this, and we're going to do that, and how come we're not doing this? It's like, it's like, it feels like you're in a Nazi war camp, just like, let's go march into the chambers, everybody. Have a nice Friday. Here's some pizza. No, man. It's fucking frustrating. You have to understand that we're people and we, we have to feel somewhat accepted and like things are going okay because we know they're going okay. We can only do so much as a staff to like keep shit together to a minimum. But if the teamwork is off, and that we're not supported by management, it causes massive, massive problems. And this has been an epidemic on top of the other epidemics that we're having for the last couple of years, but especially the past six months to a year, it's been getting really, really bad, which is was one of the things, the catalyst and the genesis of this show. Not only do I want to be able to talk to the people who do this job and you say, yes, <laughs> I feel the same way. Thank you for saying that. Maybe you'll feel a little bit of relief that you're not alone. But two, the general public, you need to hear this stuff. You need to know the hospitals that you're supporting and not supporting and what's going on behind the scenes. It's important. And if you don't think it's important, wait until you really need us. And it may alter where you go and how you go <laughs> and if you go. All right, so please stay with me. I have, I have, I feel like years of information to uncover and talk about and experiences to share with you and educate and relate and we'll go through this together and I'm going to be a fucking lunatic. I'm just going to be screaming on a microphone for 20, 30 minutes at a time, but I really hope you enjoy it. I'm going to be on Instagram doing some reels here and there and, and linking to the show 
but it's ER Nurse Uncensored on Instagram. I'm going to be there and, and share the show and, and, and send a direct message. If you have a question, if you want me to t- touch on a subject or rant about something, I'll gladly do it. Um, so we'll talk soon. ER Nurse Uncensored. Thank you for being here. See you next time.